This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Relax. This is Topop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> is that you giving podcast Mike a bit of a lesson in how to get this right? Well, you know what? I, it's been a while because, like, sometimes podcast Mike isn't here. Sometimes we're recording. You know, two guys, one couple. Oh, that is. I, there is a screaming baby in the background. Yeah. You warned us we just before we started know. that if we heard screaming, it was a baby <laughs> deciding that she didn't want to sleep in. And I quote. Her perfectly fine travel cot. <laughs> yeah, because Gemma and I are having a little break at the moment. We're just uh, up around your neck of the woods. And uh, we uh, took a travel cot with us because um, when your child is uh, of this age, you can't sort of just leave them in a bed because they might roll off. You need to have them in a, in a, in a bed with walls. And, and she's pushing open the doors <laughs> to where I'm recording and she's smiling at me right now. It's adorable. It's very hard to concentrate on the podcast when my daughter is, what do you, you want to be on the podcast? No, you can't be on the podcast. You don't want to be on this podcast. Actually, you want to be on this episode of the podcast. Probably not the early ones you want to be on. Yeah. Go to sleep. Shh. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've, we've been trying to work out how to get her to sleep the, in the most easy fashion because it used to be when she was younger that we could put her down in the travel cot and she'd go to sleep. But I think she's grown accustomed to being in her cot and likes her, likes her bed back in Sydney. So it's been all manner of tricks to try and get her to sleep. You know, uh, we'll go lie down with her on the bed, then wait till she falls asleep, then sneak her into the cot. Sometimes I'll just put her in the cot and I'll just wear her out. She'll just jump up and I'll lay her down. I'll just basically make her run a marathon before she gets into the cot. Um, but tonight, that's Gemma's problem. Tonight is just about you, Will. You and Podcast Mike. Podcast Mike, our Tofop baby. That's what I like to think of, yeah. Podcast Mike. <laughs> you know, well, I'll... Our top of babies all grown up because, um, you know, as is tradition, we always love to start an episode with a little talk about podcast Mike that, I mean, he could chime in at any moment, but he's being very polite and not. We haven't given him permission to speak just yet. We're still working out that part of our relationship. But we were talking before we started recording and I noticed there's a bottle of champagne and I say that specifically champagne for a reason. And uh, so we had a bit of a chat about why he had a bottle of champagne he just shrugged his shoulders and said, for when guests come around. <laughs> I'm like, what guests are you expecting where a bottle of champagne is what's on offer? Well, here's what I'm thinking is that uh, Podcast Mike lives in Melbourne. I think we can say that. And Melbourne has been in like, you know, one of the biggest lockdowns in the entire world. And it was just announced on the day that we're recording this that Daniel Andrews, it says in 24 hours, basically, that Melbourne's going to open up and Podcast Mike's gone a little early on the champagne. <laughs> he's just keen to have some people bob around and he's already opened the champagne. Well, the best bit, and this may be just uh, more an indication of the, the difference in our ages, is uh, we just had a bit of a chat about champagne. I said, I don't really know anything about champagne. And Podcast Mike's gone, well, Charlie, actually, it's not called champagne. Only uh, It can only be from the region champagne. I'm like, don't you dare do that sparkling white wine thing to me, Mike. Don't you do it. And he did. He said, it's, it's more a Prosecco. It's definitely not a champagne. <laughs> And so I will say to this, I will say to people listening, you know, when you donate to the Patreon so that we can, uh, you know, obviously pay, yeah, pay Podcast Mike, that he's, we're clearly paying him well if you can afford to pop open a bottle of champagne. No, he said it's a bottle of Jacob's Creek champagne, oh. which doesn't sound like it's from the region of Champagne to me. <laughs> oh, no, you've been to the beautiful French region of Champagne and seen the wonderful Jacob's Creek that runs through it. <laughs> Jacob's Creek. Yeah, whose creek is that? Oh, that is Jacob's creek. So podcast Mike has just messaged us saying that he worked at Dan Murphy's for four years. So yeah. do you think that was just like a, 
oh, that was like a preset response. That was kind of like a, a Pavlovian stimulus and response. He heard me say champagne incorrectly, and so he just was obliged to correct me. Well, are you obliged to correct people if you work at Dan Murphy's? I don't want somebody <laughs> correcting me where I'm just like got a little bit of champagne for me and the girls over the weekend. And well, technically, sir, I am obliged to inform you due to Dan Murphy's policy that that is sparkling white wine. It is not champagne because it's not from the champagne region of France. Thank you for shopping at Dan Murphy's. (laughs) Where do you keep your piss, mate? Well, technically it's not urine and it's actually alcohol. It's brewed entirely differently. It's from Western Australia, so it does taste a little like piss. I can see why you might think that. (laughs) Well, okay, so he's responding. No, I was trying to demonstrate what you learn in four years of Dan Murphy's. Wow. So when you graduate from Dan Murphy's University... (laughs) You come yeah. out with a specific knowledge of regions of France. Wines that come from the region of France. Yeah. What else? Dan, what Dan Murphy Versity. Podcast Mike, what else did you learn uh, oh, while yeah, working good. at Dan Murphy's? What other alcohol tidbits can you tell us? I would love that because what are your go-tos? I mean, champagne, that's a really obvious one. Let's have yeah. a guess. While he's typing what his answer is, let's have a guess of what another query might be. What would you think? It, what would the most common question at a bottle shop be? Can, well, you know what? I, speaking of my personal experience, I know nothing about wine. And so I yeah. will often go into a bottle shop and say, what's a good $30 bottle of red? I reckon right. that would be the most common question is not necessarily, you know, the specific brand of wine. I have this much to spend. What's the best for that? You know, you could say that about vodka. You could say that about whiskey. I reckon it's, that would be the most common question. What can I get for 30 bucks? Would it be what you might match a wine with as well? Like, uh, you know, I'm having steak. Oh, all right, settle down, <laughs> fancy pants. <laughs> I'm eating a TV dinner, all right? <laughs> Mate, I'm having a TV dinner tonight and I want to know which $9 wine <laughs> I can pair with my TV dinner. My wife left me a month ago. I'm renting a one-bedroom studio. I've cooked myself a TV dinner. What alcohol won't drive me to suicide by the end of the night? <laughs> Well, have you have you heard of a little place called Jacob's Creek, my friend? <laughs> All right. So Mike says, I used to recommend the Pepper Jack Shiraz, which was usually about oh, yeah. 23 bucks. It just seemed like a good wine. I never tried it. <laughs> but told people that. And my dad liked it a lot. But he doesn't drink wine. <laughs> so Pepper Jack so- getting a freebie there, getting a free shout out for no good reason. And not just a shout out, a personal recommendation for someone that they consider to be an expert. Because if you, it's like if I walk into a video shop, you worked at a video shop, yep. and I ask one of the staff for a recommendation, that's me kind of saying, and they even have it in some video stores and like in bookstores, they'll be like staff picks. JB Hi-Fi do staff mm. picks. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always like the staff pick because I always think, well, these people like work here all the time they have some sort of insider level. It's almost like insider trading. Mm. Oh, the staff like this one. I better get onto this one. And I would assume the same about Dan Murphy's. Yeah, and JB Hi-Fi, those staff members tend to use that power to make some political, socio-political commentary. Like they might recommend like an album called Crazy and they'll be like, a commentary on Donald Trump's America, blah, blah, blah. It's like, All right, settle down, JB Hi-Fi. This isn't an op-ed. Well, see... That's why I would love them at Dan Murphy's. Can you imagine that, like, this is the sort of gin you want to drink at three o'clock in the morning when you've, when you've just got the shotgun out of the cupboard you normally keep it in? I think at my local, and I don't know what chain it is, but it is a big chain, but they do do staff picks, but they're not, like, lengthy essays. It's like, you know, uh, a good fruity drop or something like that. I think it should be the rule of staff picks that the staff pick review should be written after consuming the entire bottle of whatever the alcohol was. (laughs) Like drunk history? Yeah. So you have to drink the alcohol and then you have to immediately review it. Actually, that's a good podcast. You get get somebody to bring in like a bottle of wine and you drink the bottle of wine and then you immediately have to review the bottle of wine. That's a great idea. Copyright Tovop. Don't take that hot ones. (laughs) Drunk ones. That's our new podcast. Okay, so podcast Mike says the staff picks are compulsory. You have to do 10 every few months. So people just make them up because it's really hard and tedious. Holy shit, this has blown the lid off Dan Murphy's. Well, I think 10, uh, 10 every few months seems like a lot. I mean, I think about my own drinking habits and I probably stick to the same three to four brands. I found a, a wine that I like. I probably have the same beer that I'll buy and the same whiskey and 
vodka. They're probably about the four. And that, that's not even every week or anything. That's like just the alcohols I drink. And I would stick to the same brands for each of those, I'd say. Our local shop only has about 20 wines. So it's just right. like, it's not a, it's just a little bottle shop out the back of a, like a country store, basically. And so it only has a range of about 20, well, say 20 red wines it might have, maybe 15, maybe 15 or 20. And my entire picking process is which one did I not have last night? <laughs> like it's just been so long of having that limited range that the only way to drink your way through it is you can't adopt favorites. You've got to just give them all a run. Well, I was always one of those people and I probably still claim to be someone who doesn't really know much about wine. Like, I don't know what you pair it with. I'm not really sure like what color goes with what kind of food or anything like that. And I also sort of believe that I couldn't tell the difference between shitty wine and good wine. But then when I was doing a show that was shooting out near a winery, we did a big on a Saturday, all the you know big group of us and the crew and the cast went and did a winery tour. And I don't know if it was just the kind of fun of the day and being with friends and, you know, like walk, you know, doing this beautiful countryside and then sitting down. But I swear, like when they did the wine tasting and they, you know, paired it with some cheeses and stuff, like I ended up buying like $300 <laughs> worth of wine because I was like this one is the greatest wine this has been poured from God himself it is so tasty and light and delicious and I feel like since then I've been chasing the dragon because I have ordered that same wine and it hasn't quite tasted as good oh uh, you know what I think also is I've always thought there's not much of a difference between a good $20 bottle of wine and a good $100 bottle of wine. You can't really taste the difference, right? Spend mm. about 20 bucks and get a good recommendation and you'll probably get a pretty good bottle of wine. But I once went out to dinner with somebody who ordered a $900 bottle of wine. Mm. And I was sitting there at the table going, this is fucking ridiculous. I can't tell the difference between a good $25 bottle <laughs> and a $100 bottle. Like what's a $900 bottle going to be? And I had one glass of that. And I immediately disavowed everything I believe about wage inequality and wanted to become fucking Jeff Bezos. I was like, how can I only drink this? It was so much better than ordinary good wine. It blew my mind. That's, I wonder if that's why, like Johnny Depp, there's that interview with him, that really sad interview came out in Rolling Stone a couple of years ago where, did you ever, did you read the full thing? Did you ever read no. that interview? Uh, you know, it's, there are some people that you, I, it's much like Morrissey. I just mm. don't like... I, when I see there's a headline about Morrissey, I just know that it's only going to make me think less of Morrissey. So yeah. for my own self-care, I've got to decide not to read that article about Morrissey. And I don't have the same affection for Johnny Depp as I had for Morrissey. But I will say that I've, there's been a lot that I've chosen to ignore. <laughs> I know there's been oh. I know there's been a series of messiness, and I don't yeah. I don't know enough about any of it to understand w what the truth or where it falls or anything. But well, I've tried I to ignore think, it. Regardless of how much you know about the messiness of, his, of messiness of his life now, this article gives you a really good grounding in potentially why he is in the situation he's in now, right. because it's it's a it's a really well written article, and so this journalist spends like three days with him in his house in London while he's shooting one of those Harry Potter films and over the course of the three days like you know he doesn't go around till like you know after 5 p.m each night and then they'll stay up till like 6 a.m and he doesn't state it explicitly but clearly Johnny Depp is like going off to do drugs and then coming back and wanting to talk more and you know drinking wine and stuff but you get this whole it's the oral history of Johnny Depp um, from Johnny Depp and so what you quickly come to realize is so he got famous early, you know, he did like... But also, like, just, just before you even get into this, this is the idea of my podcast. Essentially, this journalist was getting the version of Johnny Depp who's drunk the bottle of wine and then has to review the bottle of wine. Like, this is what he was getting every night. Yeah, well, he was drinking a bottle... He was drinking several bottles of wine and reviewing his life. <laughs> That's the, it was a slight twist on your podcast. It was here. Johnny Depp's drunk history of Johnny Depp. Yeah, and it was like it was interesting. So you get this idea that you know there are certain people, certain actors that you know him, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, they were never going to be normal people. They just they're incredible looking, and on camera they look even more incredible, and they have charisma and stuff like that. So from a very young age, you know he's getting cast and stuff. He gets Twenty One Jump Street, and then you know he hates that. He hates being this teen idol, and then he meets. 
Tim Burton does Edward Scissorhands. That sort of sets him on that indie path for about 10, 15 years where he becomes like an indie darling and everyone loves him, does the Pirates of the Caribbean. That becomes one of the biggest franchises in history. Suddenly he's making like $100 million a year and buying islands and castles in France and stuff. But you, what you sort of realise is somewhere, and it probably happened around about 21 Jump Street to Eddie's, Eddie, Edward, I'll call him Eddie. <laughs> Edward, <laughs> Eddie's, old Eddie's Eddie. scissorhands. <laughs> steady, steady Eddie's scissorhands. The old male, you know, Shizzo. choppy. Yeah. Choppy from <laughs> down the street. If he's in Australia, it'd be Sizzo. Have you, uh, Everybody knows you, Hando in the cross. Have you caught up, caught up with Sizzo lately? He's done some great stuff with his edges. Oh, mate, seriously. Whole place. He's fucking genius, mate. Great bloke. Don't high-five him. Yeah. He's but been socially distancing for years. <laughs> somewhere uh, in that period, he completely lost contact with what reality is, like what it was like to be a normal person because he was incredibly wealthy, incredibly famous. And that has just like compounded to an infinite degree to the point where in this interview he talks about like the 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 q and the the journalist does one of those like quick questions sort of sections it was like all right i'm just gonna throw some things at you some stuff that's been said about you and just you know you give me the truth and you know one of them is like you spend twenty thousand dollars a week on wine and johnny's like that's a, a lie i spend forty thousand yeah and goes right. into this whole shtick about because his idol was um uh hunter s thompson you know and, yes and he played him in fear and loathing in las vegas and uh, yeah they became w- friends and i look i've always had the theory uh, which i i'm sure that i have like talked about either on this podcast or on fofop many times which is that when hunter s thompson died he entered the body of johnny depp part of that like ceremony where they fired his ashes into space and whatever hunter that was like a shaman mystical ceremony that hunter s thompson had discovered so that he could become hunter s thompson in the body of the most beautiful man in the world yeah but that's the thing and that's the that's the interesting dichotomy is that johnny depp like he idolizes all these kind of rebels and poets and you know just like genuine kind of oddballs and we thought for a period of time in the 90s and stuff that he was an oddball because he was always doing like quirky characters like Edward and these like weird indie films and working with like weird indie directors and, and Tim Burton who before he became Mr. Disney. Mm. But what you sort of realise is that he isn't actually weird. Like he doesn't actually have the things to say that the people he idolises, you know, have to say. He's actually just a really good looking teen idol who probably has interesting taste in the literature he consumes and the movies he consumes, but he himself is not interesting or weird. Like he doesn't have interesting or weird things to say. Did you see at the start of this year, he did this like 15 minute, like address to the camera when all those celebrities were deciding it was their time to save the world. Johnny Depp, who has no social media decides to get a social media account. And he did this 15 minute address podcast mark see if you can bring it up because we can sort of just play it without the sound and and talk about it because visually it's so funny see he's obviously filmed it in his wine cellar and he's lit about 500 candles (laughs) like it's like emo teens don't light nearly as many candles as he's got going in his breakup poetry uh wine cellar well you know what i love about that is there's only two scenarios that could be possible which is we have to imagine that for two hours before he filmed this, Johnny Depp set up 500 <laughs> candles and then lit all those individual candles or that he got somebody else in to, like he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on social media and I want it to go viral. What I need is a, look, take some money out of the wine budget. I'll have one less bottle. We'll take that $10,000. We'll get a shitload of candles and someone will light the candles. It's, well, one of his managers, or oh, because at the, I think at the moment, or at least when the interview has been conducted, he was being sued by UTA. Oh, hang on, sorry, I'm going. Can I turn this down without? Oh. I push play on the video, but um, I don't know how to turn the volume down on it without. Can't, can't uh, you just mute it? Just hit not, the mute button on the video. Uh, let's let's see if I can do that. And you know what um, we can do is oh, turn yeah, on the great. subtitles. So we can actually read what he's saying without having to hear it. How do I turn on the subtitles? Oh, subtitles. The little, yeah, the I've never done captions. that before. Great. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Why are you not giving me so... He's waving. So I'm assuming... Oh, hello. Hi, everyone. Hello to whomever might be out there in easel and receiving this transmission. Oh. Maybe that's a... 
I don't know if that is exactly what he said, but I'm going to describe where he is first. You're absolutely yeah. right. You you may have oversold the amount of candles that there was. However, there is... There's a lot of candles. That's more candles than a, you need. There's at least... No, there's like 12. <laughs> That's a lot of candles, right? 12 is a lot of candles. It's not 500. I, I imagine that he probably did just light the candles himself. He didn't get another person in for it. But yes, well, it's Will, a lot of candles. What I'm arguing is if you look at the wall behind him and the way the light yeah. is flickering, there's more candles in that cellar. There's light all over that back wall. So the candles you're seeing on camera aren't the only candles. No, you're right. I, I, have, <laughs> that, I have not taken that into consideration because I was distracted from the fact that it looks like Osama bin Laden's had an emo makeover for his fucking broadcast because it just, he looks like he is in a cave and he is wearing his glasses. Is he wearing goggles? Like what is that no, weird effect? They're, they're normal glasses. It's just the, the light is making it look right. like they're on a weird angle, but they're just, they're just sunglasses. Okay. All right. So he's wearing sunglasses. He's got a lot of bangles as he always does. Always does. And uh, all right, I'm going to push play again. What, what first thing- mark you at? Uh, I'm 27 seconds in. Okay, I'll just like, okay, I'm, me too. And go. So he's never done anything this before, and I don't think I've ever really felt any particular reason until now. Okay, great. What's now? <laughs> Can what I just say, reason? just pause it for one second? Okay, yeah, I'll pause, pause it for it. one yeah, second. Okay, yeah. You'd think a guy who's made like dozens of movies, maybe even hundreds of films, would know to shoot in landscape, not in portrait. <laughs> like it really annoys me that we're viewing this in portrait mode when it really should be full screen, widescreen, 16.9. Oh, no, this is like, this is genuinely somebody who's never learned anything from any of the films he's been on. The lighting is terrible. Yes. It looks like he's wearing mm. a mask. It's shot at the wrong <laughs> angle. Surely there's just somewhere better he could sit in his weird little cave. Like, yeah, none of it, has the if if you told me that this was somebody who had been in movies, I would be surprised. Okay, so uh, podcast Mark's trying to defend him by saying he thinks this has been pulled from Instagram story. That's why it's in that format. Okay, doesn't matter. Stop being such a bloody dep apologist. <laughs> no, okay, no, that's okay. I'm 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 okay with that. It does. If he's gone in, he's talking about social media. He probably is on Instagram, right? Okay, S- so that makes sense. So now is the Are time again. Yeah, so let's let's find out what now is the time for. Now, okay. now is the time to open up a dialogue, as the threat of this invisible enemy has already <laughs> caused the miserable tragedies and it almost damaged to people's lives. People are ill, and without care, people are getting sick and fighting for breath. People are dying <laughs> at frighteningly high rates. Can you pause for a sec? Yeah. When you need to comment yeah, on this. Sorry. Pausing. Yes. Go. All right. Pause. I would really love this. Johnny Depp has that weird kind of non-specific accent too, where he's not quite American, but he's kind of English as well. And he, so what you can't hear in this is the drawl of the way he's talking is it's kind of this monotone, non-specific accent that I could be English or I could be American. Um, all right. Fighting. Well, okay. For three, fight, fighting. Two. Yeah, go uh, three, two, one. Uh, people are dying at frightening high rates. And when you're unable to provide for their children and their families as a result of this hideous global pandemic. <laughs> okay, good. Some have lost their jobs. Not only that job is the only source of income, but many have also lost their businesses. I think we've worked long and hard to maintain for many, many years. And some, far too many, are living on the streets with no protection, no shelter, with no option of self-isolating at all. And so I feel. By the way, he has like five castles if he wants to help people isolate. Like if there's people who need like some, to, to, some space to isolate, and he's got like castles that I imagine have multiple, multiple rooms. Yeah, but he's keeping wine in many of those rooms. <laughs> Uh, each other throughout these dark times, these trying times for those we love, for the community, for ourselves, for the world and for the future. And I know for the moment it feels like both of our hands are tied behind our backs. And to some degree, they are. 
<laughs> Neither of his hands are tied behind his back, by the way. But our minds are unbound and our hearts are not chained. And we care. Oh, lovely. And through caring, we will help each other and we will prevail. Do you think he's reading this like he's got this on like cue cards or do you reckon he's memorized this? He's an actor after all. I know, but that implies that somebody has written this drivel. Like, <laughs> he's got to be improvising. There is no fucking way that somebody wrote this down and then he's just saying this, surely. Okay, okay. Look, now, so Johnny Depp is a celebrity who's done this. This is right at the start of the pandemic, you know, and he's doing, I feel the need, like, for the first time ever, and I've been on social media, I've got to make my voice heard. The world needs more love, and Depp's the guy to deliver that. And this is horrible and cringy, and it's like, you'll have to watch it after after we record with the sound on, because there's just something hypnotic about how bad it is and how monotone his voice is. But then remember only like a couple of months ago, The Rock did his one. The Rock decided he had to throw his hat in the ring after uh, the Black Lives Matters thing kicked off. And I was like, oh, great. The Rock's got something to say. This is the... And, and even The Rock, I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like not even The Rock, who everyone who listens to this show know we love The Rock. Not even The Rock could pull this off. Like it was, it's an interesting time uh, to for us to reveal what celebrities think about themselves. Like this is, we're getting a real insight into the celebrities who think that they can make a difference. And I would have thought that The Rock possibly could make a difference, but to see him speak off the cuff, like he starts pretty good, but then it just gets kind of rambly and you realize, oh fuck, without a script, this dude doesn't sound that great. Well, and it's, it's such a, you're just unnecessary. I think the thing that you can do as a celebrity is like help without telling people that you're helping. But that's the only thing that you can possibly be doing because it's never seemed like a greater example of how, you know, the what we said about this is we're all in this together, but what has been reframed is that we're all experiencing the same thing, but we're experiencing it in very different ways according to, you know, what our pre-existing wealth and conditions and all those things were. And celebrities more than anybody mm. – like, it's just, it's impossible for you to relate to ordinary people who are going through this terrible thing because you can social distance, like, in your own fucking house. It's, you know, like, it's, it's, no one needs to hear from you right now. Shush it. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because on one hand, I can sort of see, like, I can see how their minds are working. Like, you know, Johnny Depp. They want to help. Huge star. Johnny Depp. They want to help. Johnny Depp, who's never been on fucking social media. Like, this is, like, I like to think of the best of people's motivations. And Johnny <laughs> Depp has nothing in particular to gain from something like this. It's not like a manipulated, clever marketing move or anything like that. He's clearly been moved by something enough and he's passionate about it that he's decided to do something he's never done before. He's gone down to his... Osama bin Laden Taliban cave where he keeps his fucking wine. He's lit some candles and he's fucking spoken his truth. Well, I agree that, you know, maybe it is as pure and innocent as that. But if there's a celebrity who is probably looking to rehabilitate his image, it was probably Johnny Depp. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason he got in front of the camera, but I imagine that whoever yeah, he's... But no, no, manage- nobody could argue that this video would rehabilitate anybody's image. <laughs> like, well... I think rehabilitation has something to do with this video in the sense that Johnny should go to rehab. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, that people can be such great actors, but that I guess, you know, that does not mean that they are necessarily, and I guess this is the mistake that we've made, is that we've equated one with the other. We've decided that because somebody is good at acting, that you know their opinion on things is necessarily a worthwhile opinion or that we should be constantly seeing what they wear or what they do or looking for them for messages. We should just go, you know, you're good at acting and, you know, nothing wrong with that. We like watching things and, like, we like watching things that have good actors in them and good on you for that, but, you know, that's, that's your job. Well, I'm not sure if you know this, but people love celebrities so much that they saw a guy who played a big shot on TV and they're like, that guy could lead a country. I'm going to vote for him. I mean, it's a fair point you make. Welcome to our political satire podcast, TOEFOP. <laughs> well, I th- yeah, I mean, I think there are ways of doing it. Like, there's certain celebrities who, when they get involved in stuff, like <clears throat> Dave Grohl, 
Like, you know, the latest that I've seen on Dave Grohl is that there's this little like 11 year old girl who loves playing the drums, loves rock and roll. And she's been making these like videos. Some of them have gone viral where she's been playing like, you know, Queens of the Stone Age and stuff. And she challenged Dave Grohl to a drum off forever long. And he responded. And then not only did they have a drum off, but then he followed up by writing her a song. And I'm like, to me, I would be heartbroken to find out that Dave Grohl has a team of publicists or whatever who are like, Dave, you know, the latest numbers and the Foo Fighters were waning. We need a heartwarming story. I feel like... With we Dave, found you a black pure. eleven-year-old who plays the drums, and we yeah. feel like we can make this into something. No, would I you, mean it would break your heart if that was the case. I don't think it is the case because Dave Grohl. Um, the, the, the story he's that got I like form. to, well, the story that I like to tell about Dave Grohl, and I've been lucky enough to meet him just a couple of times, not not enough at all. But the fact that it's only been a couple of times actually makes this story more powerful because. I met him once and uh, Amy was there with me and she met him that time. And then a full year later, I went backstage to interview him and he asked about Amy by name. Now, if you want to think of the most cynical way of thinking about that, you go, he's one of those guys, he said, who are these guys that I'm about to talk to? I've talked to them before, give me some information about them. But even if he did that, I think that's, I got to be honest with you, quite sweet but that's not what he did he actually had remembered this interaction he'd had with her and he wrote her a little note that i took back out and and gave to her and i think he's just genuinely and this is what i'm talking about celebrities don't need to we don't need to hear from celebrities dave Grohl found the best thing that we needed during this time and jimmy barnes is a bit the same jimmy barnes in australia he and his family in lockdown have been just singing a song like every night. And this is a guy who's had, you know, seven number one solo albums and he's on philosophy this week, by the way, guys. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, great time. <laughs> but during lockdown, he decided the way he could help was just like make a little bit of entertainment and keep people a bit entertained in a yeah. time where they needed some joy and goodness in the world. And Dave Grohl's done the same thing. Instead of making a big statement and singing Imagine or trying to like, you know, cool. solve it all yourself, find some little moment that people who are going through a hard time can enjoy. And that's what Dave Grohl's done. And that's why I believe that Dave Grohl should be the next president of America. <laughs> and I am happy to endorse him. What I'm getting from you, Will, is what you're saying to Dave Grohl is stick to singing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> stick to fucking singing, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of... That with a dude like Dave Grohl, like there's certain celebrities where... It is their sincerity seems to be that is that's this that's what they um, leverage themselves off is the fact that they feel like relatable people. Like I think that must be quite challenging to be a celebrity that everyone feels like they know because you know a you're so honest or you're so upfront. But Dave Grohl strikes me as the kind of guy where I imagine if he's at an airport bar, you know, a public airport bar, there'll be a lot of people wanting to buy him a beer or sit down, and that must be. You, wouldn't, you don't want him to lose who he is or whatever, but I imagine that he must at some point go, shit, maybe I should stop being so cool. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure that there probably is a little bit of that. But again, I, I remember we interviewed him on the radio and it was he was playing drums with Queens of the Stone Age. You know, he did an album with Queens yeah. of the Stone Age and like, you know, played with them for a while. And, and I, I asked him, I said... Yeah, Queens of the Stone Age, you know, have the number one record in the country. Foo Fighters, you know, one of the biggest bands in the world. You were in Nirvana, one of the you know, biggest bands in the history of rock and roll. Like, can you ever imagine, like, what, what is it that got you in these three great bands? And he just, he, he, he said, pure fucking talent. And I was like, <laughs> oh God, if it. any other person on the planet said pure fucking talent, you'd be like, if that was Lance Armstrong or someone, you'd be like, fucking Lance Armstrong. I hate Lance Armstrong. But you were just like, yeah, that is why. You're fucking awesome. I want you to be my best friend. Did you ever see his interview on Denton on Enough Rope? Yes, I would have seen it, yes. There's this one quote in that which has always stuck with me and I think it kind of sort of sums up like what I think he is as a rock star because he seemed, you know, I've seen the few, the few fighters. I've seen the Foo Fighters a few times. I've seen the Foo Fighters a few times now. I've seen the Foo Fighters a few times. The Foo Fighters a few times. That's one of our vocal warm-ups yeah. we do before the show. And, um, you know, the one thing you'd always say about that gig is it's just fun. Like it actually feels like yeah. there's not a lot of rock and roll 
gigs you go to where there's dancing, but you just want to dance. Like it actually just feels like a party and the band always seem to be having the best time. Like, you know, they'll bring out guests and some of them will be like novelty guests or some of them will be like serious rock and roll guests, but the whole thing just feels like a party. And I remember on that Enough Rope interview, Denton was kind of asking him about the whole sort of Nirvana experience. And, you know, he was really honest about, you know, that question of when Nirvana ended, did you think that was, you know, your career done? He's like, you know, absolutely. Like, you know, he had that tape, uh, he'd done a demo that would eventually become the Foo Fighters. And he was too embarrassed to show it to anyone because it's like, I know what people think about drummers and I don't want to be the drummer from Nirvana going out saying I'm a lead singer now. But it's actually Kurt Cobain, he played it to him and Kurt was the one who's like, no, man, it's really good. There's some good songs in there. But then after he uh, committed suicide, he was saying that like, as sad as it all was, he was like, it's just such a cliche, you know, the young, brilliant rock star overdoses on heroin and we never get to hear any more music from that brilliant mind. And he's gone, I just didn't want to be that. You know, he's gone, I don't do any drugs. He's gone, it doesn't mean I won't like smash a bottle of Jack Daniels and, and get loose one night, but, you know, this is what I want to do and I want it to be about this. And I think that's what comes across in the music is like he's not a poser, he's not yeah. angst-ridden, you know. Well, he's just, so, he, how could he pretend to be those things when he's seen what those things really look like up close? Yeah. And not just, like, you could never out... Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain anyway, so you'd always just be a poor imitation. But secondly, he's seen that it's not just a rock and roll cliche or something that people can kind of romanticise from the outside. He's lived the day-to-day reality of, you know, like touring with a heroin addict and Mm. like someone who had, you know, all the issues that Kurt was facing at those times. So, yeah, of course your reaction to that would be, no, I'm just going to have like a good time. I often wonder, like, when you see those clips of Dave Grohl playing with Animal from the Muppets and, <laughs> like, all these, like, dorky, dorky things he does. Like, if Kurt Cobain was still alive, whether Kurt would still have that rage of, you know, the Gen X hero that he was, like, would it be like, man, fucking hell, like, you used to be cool, Dave? Or would Kurt Cobain, would he have got over it? You know, would he have grown out of that phase, that kind of emo phase if he'd lived? I think Kurt always had a great sense of humour. I think that's one of the underrated things about him and what appeals about, like, his music, that it was actually, like, quite funny. Like, or some of it was meant to be, you know, darkly comedic. And, Mm. no, he had a very loving and playful nature as well. So, no, I I could imagine Kurt Cobain, you know, playing with the Muppets. I think that in a different world, he could have, you know... Yeah, kind of been a cool sort of, you know, older rock star as well. Well, isn't, but isn't like Chris Novoselic like a Trump supporter? Didn't he come out? Yeah, he would balance them out. <laughs> one of them had to turn into Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. Yeah, was, they, they had a meeting at the end. They said, one of us has to be the best bloke in the world, but it means that one of us has to be the worst bloke in the world. Well, it was funny. Like, I saw a tweet where someone put up a tweet from, you know, Chris Novoselic, like something boosting Trump. And then there was one from, um, uh, who's the guy, the lead singer of Nickelback? And it was like 20 years ago, if you told me that the lead singer of Nickelback was cooler than Chris Novoselic, I would never have believed you. Is it Chad Kroger? Chad Is Kroger, he Nickelback? It. Yeah, yeah. One, two, Chad Kroger's coming for you. <laughs> I never... I, I kind of miss Nickelback. I know that Nickelback were like a joke, you know. Well, you worked I, at Triple, I, you've worked at Triple M twice now, so that was like the joke, right? Yeah, but we never actually played a lot of Nickelback in my time there. It was much more sort of, if you were going to say cliches, it would be sort of Australian rock cliches more than it was things like Nickelback. And and maybe even the Foo Fighters. Like, you know, you hear the Foo Fighters and things like that a lot on Triple M. But I missed the Triple M Nickelback eras. Mm. So I'm not really across Nickelback in the... But I know that they're the joke band. Like, it's one of those things where you're just like, everyone jokes about Nickelback, but I don't actually know anything about Nickelback. Well, you don't need to know about Nickelback. What you need to know... I don't think is- I could name a Nickelback song. Is there one about my pants around my ankles? And that's no, only because Tony Martin the, would... That's the first line of a song. I don't know what that oh. song's called. Hang on. Can I name a Nickelback song? No. <laughs> no. Oh, there's, there's one from Spider-Man. I think it's called Hero. There's a hero to save us. I'm not gonna something, something. Um, actually. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> Despite the fact that that was a terrible rendition, I actually do recognize that song now that you're, 
Podcast yeah. Mike, can you just put up uh, in the window what the top five selling Nickelback singles are? And let's see if... Um, uh, actually, you know what? Don't you do it, Podcast Mike. I'll look it up and then, Will, we're going to play a little quiz. We're going to guess the Great. top five selling Nickelback singles. Great. I would love to know this. And then you've got to give me some clues and I'm going to guess the names of the songs. Yeah. Well, yeah. So okay. basically, it's just an episode of Top 5. <laughs> this is all we do now. <laughs> top five and you've got to guess them. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is the – look, I don't know if this is the top selling, but this is the top 10 best Nickelback songs of all time according to FM929 in Australia. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So uh, the first song in this top 10 list um, is the name of a film a, – a, a version of the name of the film that starred Nicole Kidman – and Tom Cruise, but not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> oh, um, so not Days of Thunder. No. Um, the one about um, they were Irish, yes. allegedly. I, uh, I can't remember what that was called. Well, um, I was on a show that contained one of these words. Um, uh, uh, healers. Uh, no. <laughs> Irish healers. Recently? <laughs> Home and away. Oh, far and away. Far away. Um, the song was far called away. Far is away is the song. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So the next song in the top ten Nickelback best songs of all time. So we'll we have a lot of doctors who listen to this show. Okay. Yep. Good. And uh, um, if one of those doctors was, mm. uh, if we were keeping one of those doctors laughing so they could keep you living, let's say they'd come to you, you'd been brought to them in an ambulance. What would the doctor be doing to you? To uh, bring you back to life. Uh, uh, resuscitate me. Oh, um, Saving kiss, me. Kiss of life. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> right. Um, okay, something that you sing to your child. Lullaby. Um, okay. Well, how do I give a clue for this? Um, all right. Okay, I'll just... You complete this sentence. Feeling way too damn... Sexy today. <laughs> Feeling way too damn good. Um, okay, so um, the, the the party's ended. Everyone's hooked up except yeah. for you. You're looking around the room and you might say this. I'm desperate. <laughs> Got to be somebody. <laughs> um, uh, uh, will... Uh, when did you have your last cup of coffee? Today. This afternoon. This evening. Oh, this afternoon. <laughs> I was guessing. I was like, he wouldn't have a cup of coffee at night, would he? Not before he goes to bed. It was this um, afternoon. Technically, okay. just for people who are playing along at home, my last cup of coffee was this afternoon, about 1.30. Um, complete this sentence. When we stand... We... Uh, when we stand, we don't sit. <laughs> of course, we sold 50 million copies of When We Stand, We Don't Sit. Uh, the Nickelback, no, When We Stand Together. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, um, um, when will this show ever make money? Never. Uh, someday. <laughs> oh. I'm a bit more hopeful. <laughs> I don't recognise any of those songs. They're no. the ten best Nickelback songs. No, what's the one with Never the pants? Never heard pan, of any uh, of them. Pants, what is it? I see. Uh, yeah. What's the line? I see Google your... Nickelback pants around your ankles. Let's find out that song. I want to know about that song because I've heard Tony Martin joke about it. Yeah, so. Nickelback pants around your feet. Pants around okay. your ankles. Okay. The song is called. All right. Um. Um. It's called Figured You Out. I couldn't think of a clue. Okay. I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> you ironically could not figure it out. Okay. The first line of this song is called, uh, is I like your pants around your feet and the oh. dirt that's on your knees. Ooh. And I like the way you say please when you're looking up at me. <laughs> you're my favorite damn disease. This is about COVID. Yeah. This was Nickelback's warning about COVID. <laughs> and I love the um, places it was, that Okay. Go. So it's a song about a blowjob. No wonder... So. Like it's like wow, 
Well, hang okay. On. That's the way it starts. Maybe it's a love song. Maybe that's the first stage right. of their relationship. All right. Well, yes, I love like to respect you. you as an independent woman. I love you as the mother of my children. Um, I love the places that we go, and I love the people that you know, and I love the way that you blow. No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what it says. And I love the way you can't say no. Oh. Too many long lines in a row. I love the powder on your oh. nose. Oh. oh. So he's having sex so with a drug at it. <laughs> he's like, he's got some cocaine woman who loves blowjobs and has got some hot friends. This is a, Wow. <laughs> It's life in Nickelback, this was, man. I did not realize this was Nickelback's area. And I know who you are. It wasn't that hard just trying to figure you out. Now I did wonder why. By the way, fucking uh, Chris Novoselic. Yeah. You have been bested by a dude who's written an entire song about a fucking blowjob from a girl he got when she was on coke. <laughs> Now I did. You wonder why? Now I did. You wonder why? I like the freckles on your chest, and I like the way you like me best. <laughs> what? Very, that's like a twelve-year-old. You know what my favorite thing about you is? How much you like me. <laughs> and I like the way that you're not impressed when you put me to the test. Oh yeah. Uh, I like the white stains on your dress. Oh. I'm assuming they're oh, drinking color and milk. <laughs> Yeah, let's assume that. I love the way you pass the check. Oh, I think he's talking about maybe it's someone he's paying for. Oh, okay, maybe. And I love the good times that you wreck. And I love oh. your lack of self-respect. <laughs> what? You almost no, had me that's, there, Chad. That is not the lyric. It is. That is absolutely not the lyric. I love your lack of self-respect. It could be ironic because the next bit is... Could it? Well... I don't think it could be. So far on the evidence I've been presented, I'm no big city lawyer, but I don't think it is ironic. Isn't he saying like... Because he's saying, I love your lack of self-respect. He's saying, I don't love it. He's being sarcastic. And I love when you're passed out on the deck. And I love your hand... I love my hands around your neck. Yeah, again. It's a murder ballad. Your Honor. <laughs> Your Honor. Nick and Cave wrote the last fucking verse. And uh, that's the chorus again. I know who you are. It wasn't that hard to figure it out. Um, now I did. You wonder why. Why not before. You never tried. Gone for good. And this is it. I like your pants around your feet. like the dirt on your knees. like the way you say please. Looking up at me. Favorite disease. And then I think he just repeats. Yeah. He just repeats all the yeah. good lines. Now I did, you wonder why, why not before, you never tried, gone for good, and this is it. I think it's a murder ballad. <laughs> it's a very disturbing song, whatever it is. It has not pleased me to go into the dark, twisted mind of Chad Kroger. Well, let's go into the open, beautiful, wonderful minds of our listeners with some mailbag. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can go to tofop.com. There's a little contact form down the bottom of the uh, splash page, and you can drag down which podcast... You want to contact, and I say podcast because we have multiple podcasts at tofop.com. Uh, Will mentioned philosophy this week with Jimmy Barnes. What Jimmy else? Barnes. Yeah, well, I'm just going to no. give that another plug because yeah, it definitely. is such a – he was incredibly generous with his time. It is an incredible chat with Jimmy Barnes about some, you know, pretty deep topics at times, but it's also super entertaining, and it was a great pleasure to record. He is a man who – has been on an incredible journey in his life and the way that he speaks about who he was and who he is now is just super inspiring. So there is that. And then after that we record this tonight, I am recording a new episode of uh, Fofop with uh, Cameron James, former Fofop guest and uh, his partner in crime, Alexi Toliopoulos. And they have, uh, well, they have my favorite, you know, podcast series of all time, which was Finding Drago, Finding Drago, uh, their search for this guy who'd written this book about Ivan Drago from the Rocky movies. And it is, if you've never, if you've never it's heard fantastic. the podcast, it is so amazingly brilliant and they have a new show that is starting. So I am recording that after this. So that will be up by the time that you're hearing this. And uh, on Sunday after the grand final, we teamed up with the guys from junk time AFL and we recorded our um, traditional, what is traditional uh, post grand final show. Normally we do it live in front of an audience. This time we did it on zoom. It was a lot of fun. Uh, special guests that we can reveal now, uh, Dave Thornton and Walid Ali, one a Geelong supporter, one a Richmond supporter. I, 
I thought it was really good. <laughs> I mean, I know you're not meant to say that about the stuff you do, but I was genuinely enjoyed that show. Just loved listening to those guys talk about their teams. It was so cool. Yeah, it was really good fun. Um, you know, particularly because we hadn't, you know, we didn't really know what we were going to do. And in typical chunk time and two guys form, we literally asked each other how it all worked as we like basically opened the Zoom link. Yeah. And and we never really worked out you know how we were gonna you know make it all work but it just felt like it worked and i yeah i found it really entertaining and it made me want to do more things like that so um we we haven't had a chat about this either but i guess we're having it now in typical tofop form but i think we should do something yeah you know we should do something like that you know off this podcast at some stage because it was really good fun to do and i think that um there's an opportunity to sort of you know, do some shows that, you know, I know there are people who listen to this all around Australia who would love us to come and do a live show and we were planning to do some live shows this year, but obviously COVID got in the way of that. And in the meantime, when we can't do things like that, I think maybe doing a show like this that people can watch from around Australia, but also the people who listen to this show all over the world might be a really fun and cool experience. Well, the good thing about uh, the Zoom show that I noticed, and again, this is how technically inept we are is that people were commenting as the show was going i was like oh wouldn't this be fun to incorporate into a live show where we could literally sort of like just pick and choose feedback from the audience and incorporate that into the show well we never did we were going to do something for the 10 year anniversary and we were going to do something for the 300th show and obviously again both of those had to not happen maybe we should just before the end of the year we should do like a sort of TOEFOP 10 years, you know, like we can just do maybe just you and I and maybe a couple of guests or whatever can pop in, but Mm. we just do it with the listeners, you know, doing comments and asking questions and we can just do a look back on the 10 years and an evening with, yeah. We can get Dixie on. We'll explain to Dixie how to get into a Zoom meeting. I'm sure he'll be across that. (laughs) Don't worry. Dixie's all over it. Dixie would run rings around us when it comes to technology. That's a good point, actually. And his microphone quality would be so much So great. Uh, This is from Cameron. Hey, Will and Charlie. I'm a teabagger from episode one till now. I've noticed over some time, fan submissions, best of combinations have been put into iTunes. You have not done Fofop for some time. So as a thanks, I've made a best of combination of my fave funny moments and would love to put it on iTunes. Do you have a PO box fan submission? Uh, do you have a PO box fan submissions can be sent to? Uh, why would you need a PO box? You could just sort of send us a link, couldn't you? If you send us a link, we can pass it on to Podcast Mike and then maybe we can work out how to get it into our feed. I think it'd be easy enough to do. Like if you can send us a, like a like a Wii transfer or like whatever you know, like thing you use to send audio or just send, like Mike Mike is saying is send it as a WAV file or an MP3 and um, we can have a listen and if it works, then we can put it up in the feed. Absolutely. If people want to, I I love that idea. That's a really cool thing. Yeah, just reply to the same email address and and we'll get it to uh, Podcast Mike and he will throw it into the feed. Um, Okay, this is from Jonathan. Subject is Will Needs Help. To Uh, Colin Fop, hey, Charlie, like Will's going to read this. Don't you hate it when a friend has a problem? When someone says, um, or fucking all the fucking time, tapping that goddamn pen constantly on the desk, etc. Now, feel free to keep this between us, but I think, and I know it's a free podcast, so if you don't, blah, 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 but I think Will might be saying, you know, a lot, you know, like more than most people should, you know. Anyway, good luck with this information. Just trying to help, although not asked for. And you can use this on the show or just delete it and try and pretend you didn't notice it too. Regards, Jonathan. No, Jonathan, I was very much going to read this out. <laughs> Look, I don't listen back to this show specifically for the reason that I say you know and like and totally so much that when I have heard this show back, I'm, all I can concentrate on is the fact that I, I just use those words too much and it annoys the shit out of me. I think that is... That is a very common thing that people use your nose and likes and writes. Uh, the amount of feedback I get, like, less so about this podcast because, you know, people's standards are lower, but with philosophy, <laughs> like, because people have a certain expectation because of the quality of the guests that the podcast might reflect that. But I am a terrible speaker, like, in regard to being able to compose a sentence and compose thoughts as they come in the way they come on a show like this, because the riffs and 
where our brains go and the kind of magic of the show if you stop to consider what you're saying, you wouldn't mm. fucking say it. <laughs> yeah, the likes and the you knows and the totalies and the 100% mm. and all the things that you make fun of us, they are our bridges to the next thought. Like we're on a roll and we don't want to lose momentum. So we're throwing sounds out there so it doesn't get awkward, especially via Zoom, because if one of us stops to think, it just ruins the entire flow. It's better just to keep there a constant noise going until the other person picks up the thread. Oh, and like the amount of times where one or the other of us just keeps talking because the Skype is like frozen at the other end or whatever and we're just like, we're not going to fucking stop. I'll just keep talking for two minutes until Charlie comes back on screen and then we can pick it up there as if that never fucking happened. You know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. 100%. (laughs) <laughs> Tom writes in to Colin Fop a long time listener first time emailer thank you for all the years of incredible content I've listened through a couple of times from the start and I love it all how's that multiple listens of the entire catalogue is there any podcast you've re-listened to the whole way through like every episode it's good you know what that is that's reassuring after old fucking you know mate yeah. who's just like yeah sorry about fuck off it's a free podcast by the way I should say that but um of course, like, you know, terrible speakers. I absolutely understand that. But look at this bloody trooper who's listened through this, like, this shit twice. Not once, but gone back and listened through another time with all the fucking you knows. He knows the you knows are coming at that point, but he's willing to fucking go through it anyway. Uh, just wondering if you've ever watched The Boys definitely nowhere near the same level of brilliance and nuance as the Nolaniverse but an interesting take on superheroes well did you hear that That uh, speaking of superheroes my baby may have a super screen (laughs) that was very loud Um, I have no doubt Will might enjoy the smackdown on corporate America cheers Tom Uh, we love The Boys we've talked about it previously on this podcast I like that well I love the first series I'm still I, I, I've got to, because Amy has stopped watching The Boys mm. and so I'm a few episodes behind now. So I need to catch up to see, because I was getting back on board of season yeah. two. I actually, I really like it. I think it's really, I, this second season is not as dynamic as the first season, but it is very interesting. Let's do one more because uh, I need to go take care of my yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, but don't make me go on there just yet. Let Jim take the worst of it, then I'll go in and I'll just, uh, I'll get the easy part of laying her down. This is from Jake. The Hollywood supercomputer, two colon fop. A big Hollywood, uh, the big Hollywood supercomputer has finally spit out the next big movie idea. It's analysed the entirety of pop culture and decided that the next hit movie needs to be an Adam Sandler film side by side with The Rock. For some reasons, it's also decided that you two are going to be in charge of writing the script. Keeping in mind that Adam Sandler will only do it if he gets to have a holiday in some amazing location and The Rock only does movies where he's the big hero. What's the storyline? Cheers for all the laughs. Even if you can't remember what I look like, regards Jake. And from that, you can guess what his surname is. Uh, Lloyd. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So Adam Sandler and The Rock. And they've got to be in a place where he can demonstrate his action abilities, but also that Adam Sandler would like to go on holiday. So I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, let's keep it. Well, yeah, Hawaii is pretty good. How about actually. this? How about this? Adam Sandler falls in love with a Hawaiian girl, no, a Samoan girl, and it turns out that her father or her brother is the king of Samoa, and Adam goes right. to Samoa. And it's just a fish out of water, you know, he gets sunburnt, he gets stung by a jellyfish and The Rock is all masculine and he's all like nerdy and bumbling. There you go, that's your film, give us $100 million. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty good, right? The Rock is the king of Samoa, like doing all, and he's like a real action adventure. He's like a Harrison Ford, you know, get off my fucking plane, you know, Air Force One sort of style, like character yeah. who's like, you know, and yeah, and Adam Sandler falls in love with his daughter. Oh, mate, that is. Although Adam Sandler's older than The Rock, so him falling in love with The Rock's daughter adds an extra layer of complication. Well, that's why it. he's so skeptical about it. <laughs> no, he falls in love with The Rock's ex-wife, maybe. Okay. Who used to be the queen of Samoa. Okay. Right. And Adam Sandler plays both characters. <laughs> He plays yeah. himself and the Queen of Samoa. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to wrap it up there because... Uh, we I call it going... Gimme Samoa. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. In brackets, money. 
Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening to uh, Tofop. If you want to support us, you go to patreon.com slash Tofop. Uh, we need to record another bonus episode. Maybe we can do that later in the week. Um, but there's a heap of other great content up there. And it's the best way to support the show. That and uh, buying stuff off our sponsors, if there's, in fact, a sponsor this week. But for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Alanison. Podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.